Thane of the Poppy by Dave Greggs, edited by Dan Sullivan, as read by the author. Special thanks to Dan Sullivan, who conceptualized and characterized the city-state of Satrosha. True Anor Hightower gazed through a thick, vast window at the burning bright sky and mysterious expanse of jungle surrounding the city-state of Arch-Zenith. The buildings beneath him pockmarked and spiked down along the city's central hill, terminating in the steel-rimmed walls which shouldered clusters of black flak cannons, machine-gun pillboxes, and anti-tank cannons. There were concrete dugouts set 100 meters back from the wall, bristling like orchestra pits with artillery guns and mortar dioceses. Truinor turned his head and laid eyes on a smorgasbord with a white tablecloth just behind him. One side contained an integral ice chest and sported dishes of shrimp, pâté, salmon, and chopped fruit. The other side sported a radiator and held aloft skewered meat, seafood bisque, and creamy fondues in a tan rainbow. A pair of servants in black tunics that were trimmed with House Hightower's teal livery stood against the walls with their hands folded across their laps. Several boys pushed their way into the dark room. They were cousins of Truanor and wore the ebullient finery and teal accessories of House Hightower nobles. Their names were Dio, Jovenar, and Castor. Truanor at the smorgasbord, cried Dio, grinning. I thought he took all his meals rectally now. Truanor smiled as well. Oh, you look so clean today, Dio. Has your mother finally cautioned you about wiping with the house colors? Yes, I only choke mongrel dogs with them now. Dio rushed at Truanor, who fell into a crouch and leaped forward into Dio's hips, knocking his cousin onto his back. Dio slapped Truanor across the face, and Truanor headbutted Dio's forehead, pushing his palms into Dio's face. Castor yelled, Kill him, Dio, or he'll come back and steal your pennies! Jovanar cried out, Truanor, you've got to strangle him before the family gets any more inbred! Dio drove a knee into Truanor's hip, slipped an arm between their bodies to grasp Truanor's lapel, then heaved his cousin off him and into the smorgasbord. Truanor's back fell into a thin table leg, which slid up and across him, and the table fell over in a tremendous clatter. Dio grabbed a banana off the floor, seized Truanor by the jaw, and attempted to drive the banana into his cousin's mouth like a dagger. Truanor held him off, grabbed a silver platter that lay amidst spilled custards, and bashed it into the side of Dio's head. Dio gave an angry yell and drove his widow's peak into Truanor's face, grinding Truanor's cheek into his molars. Boys! A voice yelled from the door. Truanor and Dio froze and peered at the door. The servants had been piling food onto platters silently, and they froze where they knelt. A man leaned in through the door. He wore dark garb with a dull teal cloak, had silver-striped black hair, and carried an ornate warhammer on a velvet loop in his belt. He was Tazrium Hightower, Truanor's uncle. Give me two for an errand. I'll go, father, Castor cried at once. The other boys were silent, and Tazrium gazed between them with cold blue eagle eyes. I'll go, uncle, said Truanor with a sore jaw. Good. Follow me, said Tazrium, and walked down the hallway. Truanor pushed his way past Dio and hurried out after Castor, who was already at his father's heels. They walked down a long hallway of dark stone blocks lit with slits into space. The sky was pale orange, and a cool wind pierced the tropical humidity. It's time you boys took a hand in the family business. I'm sending you to the city of Citrosia for a consignment of heroin that's due to us from the lords of that godforsaken heap. You're to meet with the local priests, and they'll supply you with the heroin that we're owed. The family business is heroin, uncle? asked Truanor, 
Castor flashed him an angry, disbelieving look. The family business is whatever your superiors tell you it is. Truinor, the heroine is going to our affidavit tribal allies. They came to a stop at a jutting stone promenade that looked over the city and jungle. We have no need of selling it. The nearby towers were windowless and coated with incandescent gold, and the city's walkways shone with a fluorescent silver. The infinite, effortless wealth of the city-state of Arch-Zenith was infamous across the globe. This was the fruit of the Arch-Zenith anti-Renaissance, the mysterious disappearance of every artist in Arch-Zenith, and then an explosion of mining wealth unparalleled in human history. Pure precious metal had replaced every other form of decoration in Arch-Zenith. Tazrium Hightower pointed down at a brown river snaking away from the city. It was almost hidden among the molten boughs of the jungle. There's a seaplane waiting for you there. The pilot will be at your disposal while you conduct your business in Cetrosia. The city's priests might attempt to worm their way into a new agreement. Don't allow them to disrespect us. The Cetrosian commons, on the other hand, know how to treat nobles. They have been trained into the proper respect for their superiors. Excellent, said Castor. I hope the priests do try to renege on us, Father. Bring them to heal would help. Strengthen our negotiating position. Perhaps, in any case, we're owed ten kilograms of uncut heroin, and that is what you'll return with. Of course, Father. Castor, you're my son, and you'll be responsible for driving this little expedition forward. That doesn't mean Truinor has to do everything you say. You two will work that out between yourselves. Truinor, you're there to ensure the success of this mission. Am I understood? The boys nodded and murmured their assent. Excellent. Go, and experience what lies beyond our garden gates. The two bowed and headed for the nearest stairwell. Heroin, Castor said with excitement. Precious cargo for our first overseas caper, isn't it? It is, said Truinor, peering through a little porthole window into the narrow spiral staircase below. What do you suppose the affidavits do with it? What, are you ten years old? They shoot it up, fool. They're strung out as torn-off pearl necklaces. You do know why that's why they stop raiding us, right? Trade. It civilizes people. Truinor wasn't sure what to make of this. His father had told him that he'd cut off Truinor's arm if he ever caught him shooting drugs. He'd shown him the silver machete. Truinor and Castor parted ways to gather their effects. Truinor went to his vast bedroom and sat at the edge of his four-poster bed for a few moments, running his fingers over the familiar jungle print bedspread with his tigers and serpents. He unlatched the iron-bound chest at the foot of his bed and rifled through his effects. He took out a bowie knife, a saraband hatchet, and a sawed-off shotgun and set them on his bed, then extracted a fully automatic machine pistol and a long ramming stiletto from the bottom. He tucked the machine pistol into an ammunition-laden shoulder holster and fastened it beneath his cloak, then sheathed the stiletto inside his belt. He went to meet Castor in the stairwell. Choosy princess, said Castor. You never were much for preparation, said Truinor. Oh, but cousin, weren't you the one who was unfamiliar with affidavit customs and house high tower affairs and the nature of Cetrosia, I presume? I think you're a compromising element on this mission. I'm here to make sure you don't overdose or otherwise dishonor the family name, said Truinor. I'm not the one who your father thinks is going to compromise House Hightower's colors. They walked out under the streets of Arch-Zenith and down towards the walls. The cafes, bars, shops, and restaurants were roaring even midday, though the theaters, galleries, and music halls had all been converted to other purposes. People were staggering around in enormous fur coats, swaddled in cashmere scarves, bedecked in pounds of jewelry and makeup as thick as frosting. 
What is honor, cousin? If one of these jumped-up commoners stepped in my path, I'd slash him. They have no honor. The affidavits had honor once, but they decided to sleep it away. They might still be a terror to the other tribes, the manioka slurpers and the grub gatherers. But to civilized men, they're nothing but lapdogs fit for the kennel. They worship our agriculture and our houndkeeper, Papavar Somniferum. I've heard they worship a great serpent, a mega-viper. It was supposed to be a jeweled rod, but it became a god when they put it in the fire. Castor blew a farting noise, puffs of smoke. They reached the walls. Arch-Zenite soldiers in black boiler fatigues and gleaming silver breastplates sprinted to unlatch the gates, their rifles tapping in symphony with their steel-toed boots on the concrete. The tiny pedestrian door in the wall was made of depleted troglodyte, far more valuable than gold. It swung open as laboriously as a bank vault for the cousins. They stepped out onto the rough flagstone trail and walked into the affidavit jungle.